When it's time to seed grass, fertilize turf, or add a pop of color to your yard, Blaine's Farm and Fleet's got you covered with unbeatable deals on lawn and garden essentials. Find value on everything you need in-store or online at farmandfleet.com. It's Wisconsin's most complete farm show. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Yonke. This is the kind of crazy weather that gets me thinking about uh, deer season. You know, normally this weather that we're experiencing now would be happening farther in November when we start to think about uh, tracking snow or what's it going to be like sitting in the deer stand. Now, granted, I understand the youth hunt is already underway and we've got different seasons that are unfolding. But uh, what about the gun deer season in Wisconsin this year? In light of COVID-19's impact on our world, is it going to be the same? Is it going to look the same? Well, Josh Scramlin joins us this morning. One question that I had, if you are fortunate enough to harvest a deer this year, will you be able to get it processed? We've been talking all year long about how difficult it's been to get a hog or a steer scheduled in for processing. What about venison? That's one of the stories we've got for you this morning. I'm Pam Yankee, by the way. So glad you're along with us. Now, weather-wise, more clouds on the way again today and a good chance that we are going to get damp. 49 are expected high and showers are going to start this afternoon, continue through the overnight hours into tomorrow morning. Wednesday, more clouds in 51. Thursday will bounce up to 71, but a good 100% chance that we are going to get wet. Uh, where does the harvest of 2020 stand? We'll try to recap those details as well. A history of success means proven performance, but let's call performance what it is. Profitability and boosting yours, no matter what the season brings, is the goal of Decal brand corn. Backed by exclusive genetics, whole farm solutions, and unmatched dealer support. Let nothing shake your perseverance. Ask your dealer how DeKal brand corn can help you realize a future of performance. Always read and follow IRM where applicable. Grain marketing and all other stewardship practices and pesticide label directions. Last week, I spoke with dairyman Jim Wynn of Lafayette County about manure management. It's Josh Scramlin here at the southern end of the world's longest barn in Madison. And something interesting that he told me is that when when neighbors see manure hauling and, and they see trucks going down the road, they, they initially envision a skull and bones on the side of that truck. They think that it's something bad. They think that it's something negative. But Jim explained to me that it's so much more than that. And it's not the perception that uh, many of your neighbors have just because they don't like the smell. And Bob, from what I understand, Scott has some continued coverage of uh, manure management in Wisconsin this time of year. And it's an ongoing process, Josh. Thank you. Yes, Scott Schultz had a chance to talk to Dennis Frame recently. Dennis, of course, was uh, on the ground floor, the first director of the Discovery Farms program, talking about nutrient management levels on the farm and how that translates into spreading manure, injecting manure, whatever you want to do with that manure within the realm of the regulations in Wisconsin. Dennis now has his own consulting firm and works very closely with uh, the Aldo Leopold land ethic. And Dennis has been around talking to uh, dairy farmers and organizations about the manure management and the conservation work. And he points out that uh, farmers are very, very tied to their land and a very conscientious ethic as far as nutrient management is concerned. Well, the thing when you really study Aldo Leopold is he was a real strong believer that 
conservation of land has to come from the landowners, um, that you can't demand it or regulate it or enforce that upon people, that the way to get good conservation and good water quality and good soil quality is to really work with the people who own the land and teach them the value of that and then have them do what's important based on their beliefs. And mm-hmm. as you said, I'm the old director of the Discovery Farms program. And the one thing I learned working with the farmers um, in that program is that if you can help farmers understand where they may have an issue or where they can do better, the farmers that I've worked with in the last 40 years are not really looking for somebody to tell them how to how to do things. They're looking for farmers to tell them where they have a potential issue or where they could be doing something better and then letting mm-hmm. them think it through and, and figuring out that creative process. And since I retired from Discovery Farms, that's really what I've been doing with this uh, watershed-type initiative, this producer-led process where we work with farmers to identify local needs, give them some ideas of uh, things and parameters where you can measure improvements and then let them come together uh, as a group or individuals to figure out how they want to work on an issue. So I've been blessed, as you know, for a long time to be able to work with a lot of wonderful farmers around this state, and uh, I consider myself an awfully lucky person. Thirty years ago, Dennis, back when we were wearing much younger clothing, 30, (laughs) 40 years ago, we might not have thought about this kind of thing. And farmers were always conservationists in my mind, but what turned the corner? Why, why are we doing it now? You know, that's something I've thought about Scott a lot. Um, I remember when I joined UW extension in the early eighties and we used to talk about having meetings on the environment or even having economic meetings on uh, farm cash flow and stuff like that. It was common knowledge that it was just really difficult to get farmers to come to those meetings, that they had a lot of other Mm -hmm. things to do, that they were really busy, and that, frankly, they would rather sit on the outside and see who came to the door needing help versus being in the room. That changed probably in the late 90s, early 2000s, really, when we started working with them and and saying, uh, either through Discovery Farms or the work um, that I did early on teaching farmers to write nutrient management, when I started teaching people how to write nutrient management plans and working with the pork producers and the cattlemen and PDPW, farmers started to say, you know, I don't really want you to tell me how to do this. Just tell me what needs mm-hmm. to be done and then let me figure it out. And, and I think it became a change, and all the ag groups saw it. All the, all the groups that were working with farmers started to see the value to um, kind of kind of getting involved and, and taking an active role in it. Uh, I can tell you that I started working with the watershed groups in, in 2012, um, and that whole concept was the farmers in the Ohara watershed next to Madison kept reading in the paper how there were groups of people in Madison getting together to figure out how to change agriculture. Agriculture mm-hmm. was the whole problem, and there's groups of university people and non-governmental organizations and agencies with no farmers at the table were getting together and talking about how they were going to change agriculture. And believe it or not, people got a little irritated about people who didn't know anything about farming making decisions about what farmers should do. So I think in all, Scott, they just realized that they, if they're going to really be part of the solution, they have to own the, the issues 
and uh, say, yeah, okay, we agree. We've got a little role here. Now let us figure it out. That's interesting. There's always a dollar and cent involved in a lot of decisions, too, dollars and cents. It's important out there in the farm, Dennis, isn't it? And some of these projects and programs that are undertaken, while they cost a few pennies, they also can save a few pennies for folks. That's true. And, you know, the one thing that's as many years as I've been involved with this, you, you've heard a lot of people say, oh, this is a win-win. For every farm, it's it's a little bit different. There is no mm-hmm. uniform. If you do this, you're going to save that because every farm does something a little bit different based on their setting and, and their value systems and a whole bunch of other things. Are there times, I mean, I, I wrote down, I was thinking about doing this call with you, Scott. I mean, we started doing nutrient management training in Arcadia, Wisconsin in 1992, and the number of people who were doing great crediting of manure and legumes was a very small number. And so yeah. I, I've heard a lot of criticism, farmers don't credit manure, but back at that time, if I worked at the co-op, I would say to a farmer, how many tons of manure did you apply? And how would you know with a beater spreader or with a tailgate, that hydraulic lift that the manure comes flying out when you pick it up? And, you know, the rates were all over. Today with technology and, and management systems in place, we have a lot stronger science behind that. And so farmers have really done a much better job in the last five years, ten years, of being able to credit things and starting to really drill down and now they're pushing that pencil. They're looking at the economics. They're getting every dime they can out of their manure, out of their legumes, out of everything on their farm and their soil health to really be as profitable as, as they possibly can be. You know, you started this entire discussion, and I'm almost literally taking you away from a program that involves the Leopold folks and that land ethic and that land ethic thinking. It has to kind of make you smile to see this, doesn't it? Well, it really does. You know, so I, I've been involved in a lot of boards, in, in both in ag and out of ag, and I heard I was at a meeting last week and people were talking about, oh, environmentalists and greenies and all this stuff, and, and they started talking that way, and I, I kind of smiled and said, don't ever forget farmers are the very first and probably the very strongest environmentalists out there. They live on the mm-hmm. land. They need the land. They drink the water. So while people think of farmers as a production group that produces food, which they do, don't ever forget that they've got a huge environmental hat on. And while they may not do things the way you want them to do, they probably or most likely are doing things that they feel are the right things to do. So try to understand them. And Yeah, I am really proud, Scott. I mean, I've, I've had a great career in Discovery Farms and now working with these producer-led watershed groups. I've been really lucky, and it's fun to watch farmers take ownership. And now it's the point where, it's it, frankly, you're kind of like the father. Your job now is to kind of step back and let things grow uh-huh. and develop and go where they're going to go. And... Um, so when a group like PDPW or somebody calls me and says, Dennis, can you do this for us? I'm like, yeah, I'll do that for you. And, and of course, I'm getting to an age now where somebody else will call and I'll say, mm, nah, I don't think I'll do that today. <laughs> the advantage <laughs> of getting a little bit older. <laughs> we always have to keep time for that fishing boat, don't we? We do. Or to do the honeydew list. You probably don't have any of those over on your end of this county, but there's honeydew lists on this part of the, <laughs> my farm. 
Yep, there might be one or two that I have to get to, too. But tell us quickly, Dennis, can folks just give Timber uh, Timber Ridge Consulting a call if they're interested as individuals or groups? How do we get a hold of you these days? Well, I'm not always the easiest guy to get a hold of. And so as I was going through my notes, I mean, what I've realized, Scott, I like I said, I started working with this eight years ago. Today, the Department of Ag Trade and Consumer Protection has financial supports for, for groups of farmers that want to get together and look at trying to work on conservation issues. I just did a um, dairy signal last week with PDPW and, and the Natural Resource Conservation Service, NRCS, on grants that they have coming up right. where they can give producers a fair amount of money to do things. So there's a lot of different groups that are probably much better than I am and and all around the state. And there's sure. there's targeted groups. There's other consultants. I am available when I retired in 2013. My passion was to make sure that farmers had anything that they needed um, to to do their own conservation, and so I was pretty dedicated in working with that, and I still am. But I, I want to encourage people, instead of just promoting my business, to understand that there are great people all around the state. You can go to the DACAP websites, and there's a bunch of lists of people there. The Dairy Business Association now has the Dairy Strong Sustainability Alliance that is working on this. Believe it or not, the Nature Conservancy is huge working with farmers to get conservation mm -hmm. on the land. So there are, in addition to me, there are a lot of other great groups out there doing these things. Excellent. Never really retire. That's Dennis Frame with Timber Ridge Consulting in Trempeleau County on the northern end of the world's longest barn in Eau Claire. I'm Scott Schultz. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Your time is valuable, and McFarland's is there to help. I'm Pam Yankee for McFarland's, 780 Carolina Street in the heart of Sauk City or online, McFarland's.net. So you're broke down in the field. Time is money. And if you're looking for parts, look no further than McFarland's. Remember, because all of their clientele are prime, they deliver free within a 10-mile radius of the store. Text them what you need at 608-643-3321, McFarland's.net. Take a look under your bed. Find stuff under there? What about jobs? No? Now try your basement. There's a pair of overalls that overall you're not so into anymore. A perfectly good laptop that hasn't sat in your lap in months. And even more stuff, but still no jobs? Well, you really have both. See, stuff is defined as household articles considered as a group. Sometimes this stuff is no longer needed. Wait, no longer needed? That can't be right. Because remember those jobs you were looking for? Those are really needed, and they're the stuff inside your stuff. Even inside that winter coat that moved with you to Phoenix. Our job is to unlock those jobs, and it starts when you donate your stuff to your local Goodwill. Here's how we do it. When you donate to Goodwill, we sell your stuff to provide job training for people right here in your community. So just by teaming up with Goodwill, you help create jobs. And isn't that worth parting with the leftover guitar from your 80s cover band? Goodwill. Donate stuff, create jobs. Find your nearest donation center at Goodwill.org. A message from Goodwill and the Ad Council. Who was your hero when you were a kid? Neil Armstrong or Louis Armstrong? Roberto Clemente or Walter Cronkite? 
Rosa Parks or Sally Ride. You're the right age to do something you can be remembered for. Register to become an organ and tissue donor. Even if you're in your 50s, 60s, 70s or beyond, any age is the right age to donate the gift of life. Learn how at organdonor.gov or call 1-866-99-DONATE. A message from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Health Resources and Services Administration. From her mouth to the field's ears, this is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Oh, we are rolling on a crisp start to a Tuesday morning. And I say crisp because I see uh, rain in the horizon. Stumach Ag Meteorologist joining us live via Skype to kind of get us up to speed. So uh, it looks like we are going to kind of hit a stretch here where what, measurable rains do? What do we see out of this next uh, 24 to 48 hours? Well, there'll be some rain. There could be snow in northwest and up toward north central Wisconsin. The, the one thing is it really hasn't developed. There's not this huge area of precipitation out in Minnesota just ready to pounce on Wisconsin. In fact, most of it's still back in the Dakotas. Snow in North Dakota, some rain in southwest South Dakota, but a disturbance is going to build in from the west. Now, it will travel down toward the southern part of the Dakotas and then push northeast across Wisconsin. That's why we have to talk about precipitation. In fact, not too far away, western Wisconsin, say Buffalo, Trempeleau, Jackson County, they're under a winter weather advisory already from 1 this afternoon until 1 tomorrow morning. They can see some accumulating snow. The rest of us most likely having a little rain. I'll have the forecast right after this. Rural Mutual is the number one farm insurer in Wisconsin for a good reason. As a company founded by farmers, they understand the ag industry and its challenges. Local agents offer farm families the best advice and personalized coverage. Visit RuralMutual.com to find an agent near you. Rural Mutual Insurance, keeping Wisconsin strong. As a proud supporter of the swine industry, Copier Financial sends a special thank you to swine producers during National Pork Month. We recognize the commitment it takes, and we are grateful to all the hardworking farmers and their families as you work relentlessly to feed, clothe, and fuel the world all year long. Give your local Copier team a call at 844-426-6733 or visit Copier.com for your lending, crop insurance, appraisal, and other financial needs. Copier Financial is an equal credit opportunity lender and provider. All right, so if I haven't already dug out some of my winter gear, it looks like it's probably time well invested. We're not turning this boat around anytime soon. No, unfortunately, even long-range forecasts here still indicating into a good part of next week that will stay cooler than normal. So with that, mostly cloudy, cool today, mid and upper 40s, some rain in western Wisconsin even later this afternoon, east and southeast winds at 5 to 10, clouds could be a little fog around tonight, there'll still be some rainfall. Western Wisconsin, quarter to half inch amounts today and tonight. Everybody else uh, up to a quarter inch could be about all. Upper 30s overnight, southeast and west winds, and 5 to 10. Partly sunny Wednesday, not bad. Upper 40s, almost 50. West winds, 5 to 10. But cloudy Thursday, and that's when more showers and even a thunderstorm are possible. It really warms up ahead of that next system. Mid-60s Thursday with that rain around. But I'd say, Pam, we're probably talking again some quarter to half inch amounts of rain are a little heavier as we look toward uh, late Wednesday night into Thursday night. Yeah, well, uh, sloppy, just flat out sloppy. I mean, I, I appreciate the little bounce up on temperature, but sloppy. 
Yeah, it's not going to dry either. I mean, we're going to get this rain. If we get uh, a half to three quarters of an inch, it's just going to stay wet and sloppy. All right. Thank you, buddy. We will catch up with you tomorrow. Uh, maybe I can find something different to talk about. Yeah, why don't you work on that just a little bit, <laughs> hey? <laughs> no need to put people in such a sour mood at this early stage of the day. You know what I mean? Well, you asked. Uh, I know, I know. All right, we'll see you later. Thanks to Stumacher, Ag Meteorologist, with uh, just the details you were looking for this morning, don't you think? Uh, he'll do a better job, I promise you, coming your way tomorrow. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. This election season, we imagine you're sick and tired of political ads. So, you'll be happy to know this is a plain old ad for Wiffles Hybrids. As the fastest-growing seed corn brand in the central corn belt, you might say Wiffles is the winner of the popular vote because more farmers than ever are planting Wiffles. When you make your planting pick this season, vote independent. Vote Wiffles Hybrids. Wiffles Hybrids is sorry this ended up sounding like a political ad after all. A furnace tune-up can extend the life of your furnace and help avoid emergencies on the coldest days of winter. Need a new furnace? Dave Jones has competitive pricing on Energy Star rated furnaces and provides a complimentary one-year checkup. And they won gold in 2020 Best of Madison and Best of Monona. After all, Dave Jones is your trusted service partner. Dave Jones. DaveJonesInc.com. Throw a party here, and you'll wonder if they came for you or the food. RuthsChrisMiddleton.com. Life's too short to eat anywhere else. At Tom's Auto Center, we're known for being up front with our auto repairs. And name brand new tires. Tom and Tom of Tom's Auto Center. Goodyear, Firestone, Brigstone, Michelin, BF Goodrich, Continental, and Kelly Tires. We carry and install them all. When you need new tires, Tom's Auto Center will make sure you leave happy. Tom's Auto Center. Off Highway 51 in McFarland. A stone's throw from McDonald's. Someday, everyone will have an energy-efficient tankless water heater and an endless supply of hot water. Benjamin Plumbing is now an A-certified dealer of Renai Tankless Water Heaters, the number one selling tankless water heater in North America. Renai Tankless Water Heaters are up to 40% more efficient and provide endless hot water. Stop wasting tons of energy keeping 40, 50, even 75 gallons of water hot all day and night with your old water heater. Call Benjamin Plumbing today and learn more about the new state-of-the-art energy-efficient Renai tankless water heaters, including a factory-extended warranty. Go tankless. Endless hot water for your home with a new Renai water heater from Benjamin Plumbing. Hi, Dale Benjamin with Benjamin Plumbing. When we say your plumbing problem is fixed, we mean it. No excuses. I guarantee it. Contact Benjamin Plumbing at BenjaminPlumbing.com. Now you've got a friend in the plumbing business. Benjamin Plumbing. Eating, working, living pain-free. These are things many of us take for granted. But for many adults with disabilities who are elderly or have serious medical issues, dental care is simply unaffordable. Dental Lifeline Network is looking for dentists who can change this. DLN is asking dentists and their teams to volunteer to just see one of the many patients in need. You can literally change a life. 
When you volunteer with DLN's donated dental services program to C1, you treat a pre-qualified patient in your office at your convenience. We handle the details so you can focus on the care. Lack of dental care can lead to the inability to have life-saving surgery, eat or contribute to our community. If you are a dentist or know a dentist, please share this message. Will you see one? Visit willyouseeone.org to help change one life in your community today. I don't want to brag. That means you're totally about to brag. Everything in my home matches. Matches perfectly. It's all pulled together. That's because I have my own personal interior designer. You have your own interior designer because you shop at Lazy Boy. My Lazy Boy designer can pull strings and get me custom fabrics that match, handles and feet that coordinate my personal style, and color combinations that nobody else has. Everybody can have it. You just have to start at Lazy Boy. My personal designer knows how to bring it all together without it looking all, all, um, what's the word? It's not all matchy-matchy. You get the idea. Of course, this kind of customization isn't available to just anyone. It's available to everyone. Unless you have a personal designer. From Lazy Boy. It all comes together with Lazy Boy. Lazy decorators love Lazy Boy home furnishings and decor, Madison, East Springs Drive near East Town Mall. Would it be crazy if you packed your bags and left? Peace Corps. Life is calling. How far will you go? To find out more, call 1-800-424-8580 or visit peacecorps.gov. Like the first quarter, it looked like the Packers were going to roll. And then by halftime, by halftime, didn't it feel like the game was just, I don't know, over? Yeah, it felt (laughs) like the Packers quit at about halftime. Yeah, it definitely did. Like, this game is done. Like, the Packers... Literally, the offense is looks like it. You know, when the year Mike McCarthy got fired in 2018, it looked uh, just did not look good. The defense did not look good. Uh, you normally had from the Packers fans wanting to I don't know promote Mike Pettin to a head coaching job somewhere. Now want him fired instead for the Green Bay Packers. What was the biggest concern after um, for both of you guys after watching that game? What was the biggest concern? Your biggest takeaway? A concerning takeaway? Once uh, the clock hit zero. I'm going to go with the offensive line and David Bakhtiari being hurt because they showed they they do not have a replacement at left tackle. RJ? (laughs) I mean, we already Um, knew that the defensive line wasn't great, and it just got exposed even more for the first time this year. But the offensive line for the whole first four games were like, man, Pretty solid job by everyone involved. Musical chairs. They're about eight yeah. deep on that offensive line. Everyone looks, at the worst, looks serviceable. And only gave up yeah. three sacks well, in four games. Ricky Wagner. Made up for that. <laughs> Ricky Wagner is not a left tackle. Yikes. Ricky Wagner has, has been serviceable when filling in at right tackle this year. Mm-hmm. But he got exposed being a full-time left tackle. And I don't hopefully want to see that ever again yeah, this year. Yeah, that was a tough scene. RJ, your or biggest uh, negative... After the Packers, the clock at zero for the Packers. Um, there were a few. There were a few. You tried to establish a run game that really wasn't there, and you tried to establish the run by running. <laughs> um, That's how you establish the run, right? By running? Yeah, but when it doesn't work. You're not running anywhere. And they continually have eight guys in the box. You know, you got to try something a little different. And those intermediate short passes to the middle of the field where 
everybody's hanging out anyway. Mm-hmm. Probably ain't the probably ain't the, 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 the thing right to, way to go about yeah. it. Um, I think yeah. just can I say the game in yeah, general? Of course. Uh, I you mean, can say whatever you want. Play it's America. Play calling both sides of the ball. Um, hell, all three sides of the ball. I mean, you had J.K. Scott with a thirty-eight yard punt. I mean, with that kind of numbers, he can come punt for Wisconsin. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah, but I don't know, if he, Wisconsin, I don't know if he qualifies for Wisconsin because he actually catches the snap. I guess the depth, the depth chart is out for the Badgers. I'm not talking about the Badgers coming up, but uh, just recapping uh, the loss to the Buccaneers. I think mine was my biggest takeaway is did the and I don't know if it's true or not. That's why we're going to talk about it today. Did the Packers get exposed against another good team? You go back and look at the Packers uh, of who they have played. I mean, they they played some teams that, I mean, the Saints, sure, but the Saints are kind of a shell of themselves that they were in the past. Uh, the Vikings absolutely stink. The Lions are the Lions. The Saints, that was a good win for the Packers. The Falcons stink. And then you play against another team like the Buccaneers who have a lot of good pieces, a team you could probably potentially see or going to see in the playoffs. And then they fold like a lawn chair, like I got in my garage, and they just give up. The fact that the Packers just look so inept against another good NFC foe is my biggest concern. Did they get exposed for what they are? Are they are they pretenders? I don't know if you can say that right now. Um, I'm not ready to go that far. But when you look at when you co- compiled in with last year, I mean, there's enough left on their schedule for them to make the playoffs. Oh, I'm not. I'm not saying they're not going to make the playoffs. But is it like a situation like last year when you're a team that is good enough to get to the playoffs and then you go against a team like the 49ers last year who are clearly head and shoulders better than you and they just obliterate you and whoop your ass? Is that the concern? I feel like it's early to say that they were exposed just because it was one game. Everyone, Everyone's given a clunker. Not at, Name the last time someone unde, went undefeated in a season. The Miami Dolphins? Yeah. I mean... The Patriots did it in and the regular season the and lost in the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a pretty hard thing to do. It's kind of even ridiculous that we kind of talked about it last mm-hmm. week when they only played four games. Yeah, but at the same time, you got exposed. If so, if you want to say they got exposed, they got exposed in some of the same issues they had last season. So that's what it's concerning. And then when we we talked about, they didn't really bring in a whole lot of free agents like they did two years ago. Yep. They brought right. in Devin Funches. He's sitting out. They brought in Rick Wagner. He's getting exposed. Uh, he got exposed <laughs> at left tackle. I don't mind what I've seen out of him at right tackle, but mm-hmm. left tackle, that's no, a no-go. No, right. not again. You could go to Chicago to hear about the Board of Trade, but isn't it easier to listen to Pam Yonke? This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. I don't know about listening to me, but it's a lot easier to understand what's happening in the marketplace when you talk with John Heinberg. He's our market advisor this morning. Total Farm Marketing by Stuart Peterson. He'll give us an update in about 10 minutes' time. And uh, given the erratic weather that a lot of people in the upper Midwest have suddenly now been forced to deal with, it is also kind of nice to see that so much of the harvest is already complete. I'll get you the numbers on that, both on the national scene and here on the state in just a little bit. I'm Pam Yonke. Now, from the Landmark Services Cooperative Agri-News Desk, here's what's happening on a Tuesday. So, today is the 20th day of October. A couple little tidbits that you might uh, want to tuck away for a conversation today. So, on this day, in 1949, 
They caught a huge muskalunge or a muskie up in Hayward, Wisconsin on the Chippewa flowage. The muskie weighed in 69 pounds, 11 ounces, and it became the official state fish of Wisconsin in 1955. So that was the record breaker that we got back on this day, 1949. If you've ever been up by Hayward, you know why they've got the, the big uh, statue of the muskie as well. And on this day in 1982, the Brewers were in the World Series. Do you remember that? They were playing Game 7 against the St. Louis Cardinals in the Suds Series. And that was what was going to decide Major League Baseball's world champions. The unfortunate part for all you Brewer fans, you know the Cardinals won the series four games to three. But we were right in there. On this day in 1973, the Sydney Opera House opened iconic building. It's absolutely beautiful. And on this day in 1968, Jacqueline Kennedy married Aristotle Onassis. So a couple little things for you to share this morning. Well, I want to share with you that, yes, we have indeed made progress on trying to get through the backlog of livestock looking to be harvested and processed. A lot of our local meat markets are still quite busy, though, going not only into 2021, but even 2022 when it comes to processing of hogs and beef. Now, what about venison? Remember, when it comes to venison, our meat processors have to basically shut down, clean up, and transfer over to venison processing. Is everybody going to do that this year, given the demand that they have been uh, seeing for their services for beef and pork? Josh Gramlin joins us with an update on what we need to prepare for when it comes to the upcoming deer hunting season in Wisconsin. Let's step back in time for a second. We don't have to go that far, though. We're going to go back to this past spring when the meat packing plants had to shut down, like the major ones, like JBS and Tyson. When those ones shut down, there was this huge rush to your local meat market to get animals in for processing so that you didn't run out of meat. Well, because of that rush, local processors and meat markets at every corner of Wisconsin have found themselves swamped. And that is not a situation that is going away anytime soon. So with that, I bring in Chris Johnson. She is the owner of Johnson's Sausage Shop in Rio in Columbia County. So Chris, first, what animals do you process? And second, how is it going? The processing is beef, pork, lamb, all that is just every week we're just, the records are huge. The number's huge. And when folks call and they want to get something processed, are they asking any particular questions or are they just glad that they got you? I mean, they're just happy that they're getting in. As far as the, the, in the processing part of it, I mean, in the whole state of Wisconsin, everybody's just backed up like crazy. So they're just grateful that they can get in. And we're doing as many as we possibly can every week. Um, and so, I mean, we, that keeps our coolers packed. It keeps my staff busy, busy, busy. And so it's just been working. You know, it's, been, it's a win-win for everybody. Per week, Chris, what's your harvest capacity? Right now we're doing between 30, about 30 to 35 beef a week. And and we're doing that three weeks out of the month. And then the fourth week, we're doing pigs and lambs and small animals. And then we're at about 130, 140. How far? Like if I called today and I said, Chris, I need to get a beef in, how long would I have to wait? Scheduling right now is in 2022. 2022. Okay. Yes. All so right. We're yeah. making, you know, we're trying to make adjustments for people who got, you know, but overall that's, I mean, if you call and tell me, Chris, I got to get 10 beef in, that's what we're, we're booking the ad. Oh, I'm sure. I mean, back in July, I was talking with uh, folks in New Glarus and they were booked out until end of 2021. So I figured it had to be like that. And yeah. have, have you guys added weeks? Have you, have you increased capacity because of that? We've increased 
no, we we still kill on one day a week, but we just added a, a lot more numbers to that to that day because we need the other days to cut it up. You, it's not just getting it killed. You've got to be able to get it cut up also. This is really intensive labor. Are you having labor issues at all? Um, no, absolutely. I am blessed with people who know people, thank God. So <laughs> they come in and they have we've been able to get staffed enough. Well, I mean, if somebody says, hey, Chris, I got two more guys, I, I will say absolutely. I do not feel like I am at max staff. But I mean, we are definitely holding our own. And then let's move to wild game processing because that's coming up. Are those different slots than uh, the ones you're using for beef and pork, or are they the same same type of slots? No, animal uh, people who do deer, they literally randomly call, you know, walk in and goes, "Hi, I have a deer," and then we sit there and do the processing the same as normal. That's really not going to change for us the process, um, but I do believe that we're going to have a lot more deer this year. I think the harvest is going to be really up. And I'm just thinking, like, uh, on a, on any given week, if you had to ballpark it, how many deer would you say would walk like around gun season? How many people do you think would walk through the door with deer? Oh, um, two hundred to three hundred a day. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So break it down for people. What makes that different than your beef and pork processing? Well, beef and pork processing, when you do pork, there's a lot of steps to it. You've got to first harvest the animal. Then you've got to sit there and get it cut up into pork chops and stuff. Then you've got to go and smoke the bacons and smoke the hams. Then you've got to make all the sausage. So there's a lot of steps to that. And when you have beef, you literally... You harvest the beef, but then you also let it hang. We age it for 14 days, so you let it age all that time so it hangs up the cooler so then you can't start cutting until the 14 days are over. So there's just, we're deer, if they come in this morning, we can cut them this afternoon. Chris, while I have you on the phone, maybe you could put into words for all of our listeners and just the general public the type of situation that local meat markets and meat processors are in because I want them to understand that you guys are doing everything that you can. Um, you know what? I want this to be a great relationship for all the consumers and the processors. The processors are at max capacity, but we are all pushing and pounding hours just to make sure that we can accommodate. So if things take a little bit longer, we ask for their patience, um, and we expect to get the same. You'll always get the same quality that you've always gotten, but we appreciate your patience. If you could just be patient with us to make sure that we get it out to the level that you expect it to be. I think that's a good place to put a pin in it. Uh, you certainly understand the severity of the situation that our Wisconsin local meat processors and meat markets are finding themselves in. That was Chris Johnson. She's the owner of Johnson Sausage in Rio, Wisconsin, that is in Columbia County. And as she said, if you were to call her up today and say, Chris, I need to get a beef in, or I need to get five, six, ten beef in, you would be told that you have to wait until 2022 to get your animals processed. And it seems to be that situation all around the state, but if you do have a deer that you need to get processed, that's something that, for the most part, you can just walk in and have it processed that day because it's two completely different processing tracks, the beef and the pork and lambs, and then wild game processing, two completely different things. So please be patient when it comes to trying to get an animal processed. Good luck to you getting your animal in. I'm Josh Scramlin. Good deal, Josh. I think I'd still probably make a phone call in advance if you're uh, wanting clarification on venison processing this year, because like Josh said, every meat processor, just a little different philosophy.
Markets are paying attention to the progress we've seen as far as the harvest. Now, we all know that the weather has made a big impact in uh, what's going to get done and how fast it's going to get done. Across the United States, as of Sunday, 60% of our corn had already been harvested for grain. And as far as soybeans, 97% of that crop already harvested. So we are definitely ahead of where we were a year ago and ahead of our five-year average. Same situation in Wisconsin. As of Sunday, statewide, we had 27% of our corn harvested for grain. That's three weeks ahead of last year and five days ahead of our five-year average. Soybeans, 72% of that crop is already harvested, and 94% of our potatoes are already in. John Heinberg, Market Advisor, Total Farm Marketing by Stuart Peterson in just a moment. In overnight trade, December corn is up two at 407. November beans up nine right now at 1063. The July wheat currently Three cents stronger, six thirteen a bushel. The barrel cheese yesterday gained a nickel to two twenty five and a half on three trades. Forty pound block cheese that was up two cents at two seventy four and one trade. And the double A butter, well, that one was a little softer, down a penny and a quarter on Monday to one forty nine and three quarters per pound. Right now, the fluid milk contract for d- November up a dime at twenty one seventy five a hundred weight, and December is up twelve cents at nineteen six. 100 weight. What have we heard as far as USDA's Farm to Families Food Box program? Are they going to keep purchasing? Uh, what is the outlook for those government programs going past the election? That's one of the questions I've got lined up and ready to go when John Heinberg from Total Farm Marketing by Stuart Peterson joins us next. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. There's a feeling you get when you know the alfalfa seed you just planted has a 10.4% average yield advantage. It's the same feeling you get when you know the silage corn you just planted was designed exclusively for silage with a focus on increased tonnage, improved digestibility, and more milk per acre on your bottom line. Around here, we call that feeling Dairyland Seed Pride, and it comes with having access to a full line of forages from an American-based business. Forages that lead the field in delivering yield, quality, and dairy success. Like Hybroforce 4400, the latest in a long-standing dynasty of alfalfas that's been outperforming the competition for generations. And our HiDF Silage Hybrids, designed to deliver the right combination of tonnage and quality so you know your cows are getting what they need to keep producing. But no matter which Dairyland seed forage you choose to plant, you can be sure that you'll be proud you did. Are you Dairyland Seed Proud? Learn more about top-performing Dairyland Seed forages at DairylandSeed.com. Signs by Tomorrow is your partner in making signs for state law health compliance for being open. What was temporary may be more permanent. Signs by Tomorrow can supply banners reminding social distancing and enhance your brand with a professional look. Floor minders keep the direction and customer flow and can advertise your image. Protection screens and outside stands welcome your customers, giving assurance of health standards. Visit signsbytomorrow.com Madison. Business just got easier. Shopping for that special someone can be hard. You want to make sure that gift is perfect. Jewelry is always a great go-to because it lasts forever. Place to go? Goodman's Jewelers. They have the best prices, something for every budget. They have incredible quality jewelry, one-of-a-kind pieces, diamonds, engagement rings, traditional and modern styles, and you can customize your own. Something for a Badger Packer fan? Goodman's Jewelers has it. A true icon in Madison, the city's oldest full-service jewelry store, is your family. Goodman's Jewelers. 
If you've ever driven a tractor, you are her friend. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Yonke. John Heinberg, Total Farm Marketing by Stuart Peterson, joining us live on this Tuesday morning to get you ahead of what's going on in the marketplace. Before we take a look at crop progress or any of that, John, I want to jump right to dairy since it's such an important stakeholder for the state of Wisconsin. Do we know anything as far as the USDA Farmers to Families Food Box Program? Uh, Yesterday we saw barrel and block cheese both go up again, but I I was under the impression that at the end of the month, that program basically quits buying. So far as of uh, everything I've been seeing and reading, that's the same uh, things I'm reading on my side of the equation is, you know, they're looking at another 5.7 million boxes through the 31st of October. Haven't seen any extension on that program beyond that date. Maybe that's going to be election driven. We'll see how that all kind of shakes out. Uh, but they're definitely staying active in the market. We're seeing that in terms of cheese production, as well as uh, the purchasing and the movement of that cheese product, keeping supplies relatively consistent. You know, we you talk about that block barrel price and cheese prices, you know, we had that big gap between blocks and barrels. Uh, Typically, we see one or two move one way or another. In this case, uh, the barrel price has been slowly creeping towards the block, tightening that gap up, and that's what's been supportive in the milk prices as uh, block prices basically have been staying around the 270 window and barrels have been tightening the gap. Yeah, but we are so much higher than the world marketplace. Like I said, I just worry that uh, we are setting ourselves up for just one dilly of a fall. You know, that's always the biggest concern, and I, I know I've been talking about that for a while and basically still been getting proven wrong, but, you know, we kept talking about strategies that keep floors in and keep the upside available, and, you know, you got to continue to look at that. We still haven't seen much spillover into the 21 contracts at all. I mean, January's finally moving up to 1760. Yesterday, February's still around 1670, so we're still such a discrepancy between these front months and the back months. You know, if this program does go away and the government does step out of the cheese business, Business, uh, in terms of filling these far- farmers to family food box program, you know, we could easily see that gap tighten very, very quickly. So producers need to still at least stay active, main sh- making sure you find a way to keep some type of floor underneath this market, but still keep that top side available. I don't want to jump too fast, but I do want to make sure that we're getting in a conversation about livestock. Wow. Did not realize live cattle, feeder cattle, lean hogs took a tremendous nosedive yesterday. What's going on there, John? Well, it started with the cattle market last week uh, for the most part, and a lot of concerns going on here, at least maybe in terms of the demand side of the equation. We've seen retail values slowly uh, drop the last couple of weeks. Choice carcasses now have lost about 8 to $9 now in terms of value. That might be directly tied to concerns in the restaurant trade and, and COVID-19 resurgence here across the United States as well as the world putting some weight into this livestock market. Cash prices softened a little bit last week as well, which was disappointing, and the market was sitting on a little bit longer position. And yesterday, the technical side of the equation just broke as we saw live cattle futures $3 down yesterday, and then feeder prices actually did touch limit down yesterday. So it's going to be a, it's a bit of a rough window right now, especially if a lot of guys got cattle in the lots uh, getting towards the end of the year here, usually looking for some seasonal strength and you know, December into February prices. And right now, December's down $8 since the, basically since the first part of uh, October, September. John Heinberg's along with us, market advisor, Total Farm Marketing by Stuart Peterson. The toll-free number, 
800-334-9779, totalfarmmarketing.com. All right, so I'm I'm with you on this trend about now the weather's changing. People aren't going to be eating outdoors in as many uh, zones as they had during the summer. So that whole, we have to really pay attention to that, whether it's dairy or livestock. That trend we have not seen before, John, because we were going into the spring when COVID arrived. Now we're going into the winter and the gloves are off. It's going to be a major concerning point. And, you know, one thing that's encouraging, and but it's not going to quite cover the gap, has been the shift into the grocery store trade and the retail consumer buying there. You know, there is some growth that is still being maintained on a year-over-year basis. Nowhere near where it was, obviously, when things fell apart in the spring and everybody was locked down and the stores were running empty because of the demand. You know, so that is a little bit of a saving grace. But that restaurant trade, especially for beef, is such a big factor uh, as, you know, people want to step out and, and you know pick up a meal here or there on the road and now that we're losing the ability to eat on the outdoor side especially in the northern tier with the colder temperatures coming you know that's what's probably weighing into this market is just that overall concern on demand because production is still relatively strong as we're dealing with some of the backup that we've had since the spring in the first initial covid lockdowns one of my friends said to me, yeah, Pam, and what about things like prime rib? Prime rib is almost exclusively seen in uh, you know, a restaurant setting, you know, those high-value cuts I got to wonder about. You know, those are very key. And also the other factor that's going to be a big uh, portion of this, too, is what's going to happen with the holiday trade. Typically, we see beef demand kick in around this window as, you know, the re- retailers are building for the holiday season. And obviously, if we have a lot of companies like myself, I'm still sheltered at home. We're not having Christmas parties. We're not doing those types of things. And that was always one of that big portion of that beef rib trade that came into play in the next few months. So that's an area that is very concerning also. And I think the market is still trying to figure that out right now. Uh, But right now that demand is definitely a concerning point. What key numbers are you going to be watching, John? I mean, you guys always have uh, little triggers that you at least mentally pay attention to. You know, as we start working in terms of, uh, you know, price value, what happens on the cash front, that's going to be a big key. The biggest one for me right now is we got cattle and feed numbers coming this week. What's going to happen in terms of the herd size? We need to get the weights down. So I'm watching that right now because production is just still too heavy. So we're going to watch for some keys there. Obviously, you know, carcasses, uh, or excuse me, uh, cattle value is starting to push back to the dollar level is historically cheap in this window. You know, so it just may get to a point where all of a sudden we have a value value here in this market can find a bottom and at least start firming back up. But right now it just feels like a slippery slope that just wants to keep tumbling. Going where we've never gone before. John Heinberg, market advisor, Total Farm Marketing out of West Bend, would love to help you with strategies to protect yourself going into these uncertain times. His toll-free number, 800-334-9779 or their website, totalfarmmarketing.com. And you can find more options on communication there and John, good enough to join us every Tuesday to make sure that you know uh, the outside news that ultimately is influencing your price, not just today, uh, but for the foreseeable future. And like you said, now that the weather's changing, a whole new set of factors that are influencing our trade. This 